I heard the uh, proverbial hmm from the audience in. Hmm. Maybe we're all a little bit guilty of not recognizing the little things that God does for us. That's really why I wanted to show that video, especially as we move into the week of Thanksgiving, because we don't, we seem to remember or recognize the things that we don't have, and we forget those little things that God does for us all the time, and we don't even give him credit for it. It's like the man in the video, oh, I, I thank you, Cat, for the water, and, got, and Jesus is looking there like, really? You know, we, we thank the wrong people sometimes, don't we? We look at the, to the wrong source. We, we, forgot, we forget that he is our provider. So we're looking for other things. And when those things happen, wow, we're, we're grateful, but maybe not to the, in the right way or the right attitude. So this whole morning has been about gratitude. It's been about thanksgiving. It's been about, about praising God. You know, as children of God, uh, it's funny because Resurrection Sunday, it, it's a huge deal. Pentecost Sunday, it's a huge deal. Thanksgiving, it's a huge deal. Christmas Day, it's a huge deal. But you know, for us as believers, all those days just kind of, they're always huge, always, every day in our life. We, we celebrate Thanksgiving. We, we celebrate the resurrection. We celebrate the power of Pentecost. We, we celebrate those things that should be a part of our everyday life, not just when, when the world or Hallmark says this is a good day to celebrate something, right? Or it's on the calendar. It, it should be something that's ingrained in us as believers. The thing about Thanksgiving is it should be ingrained in us as believers. It should be a part of our DNA. It should be a part of who we are. Uh, because here's the thing. God, God gave me uh, two sermons for this, for this series. It's a really short series before we get into, I love, I love the Christmas season. We're going to get into the uh, uh, series on joy. But he gave me this Thanksgiving. I looked at Thanksgiving. He said, well, look at it as two words. Thanks and giving. Thanks is what? Thanks is, is reciprocal of what somebody gives us, isn't it? Somebody gives you something, you say thank you. Giving, if you, we separate it, now I know we can give thanks, but also as we look at it next week, it's going to be what is our response to what God has given us? How are we going to be a giver? And I'm not talking about money. I'm talking about how are we going to give back for what God has given us? You know, he's prepared all these good works for us to do. He's prepared so much for us to do. So I want us to see thanks today, and I want us to see giving next week, but I want us to separate those. Here's the cool thing. Have you ever just thought about there's a simple word called thanks, and you've never really looked it up? You don't even know what it means in the Greek or the Hebrew, right? You say, well, thanks means thanks, right? Like hello means hello. There, shouldn't be, there couldn't be a deeper definition to thanks, could there? But is there? I want to tell you that there is. There's, there's in the Hebrew and the Greek, I'm not going to give you the words because you're not going to remember them anyway, and I couldn't pronounce them anyway. So there's a common denominator when you look at the Hebrew word for thanks and you look at the Greek word for thanks. That's the New Testament and the Old Testament. There's a common word that, that flows through both of them, and that word is confession. Say confession. And it goes a little bit deeper than that. When you look at it, it means a confession of or an acknowledgement of praise. That's pretty good, isn't it? So when we say thanks, when we say thank you, Lord, it's an acknowledgement of praise. It's a confession that God is good. It's a confession that God is, is our everything. It's a confession that God provides all of our needs when we say thanks. So it goes beyond just that word, oh, thanks, God. Thank you, Lord. We appreciate that. Okay? So there's this, there's this, 
word for thanks called confession. But then there's, I looked at the antonym. Anybody know what an antonym is? An antonym is the word that means the opposite of. So when you look up antonyms, this is an interesting antonym for thanks. I, I thought this was a, well, just really got me. Here's the three words that popped up on Google. So you know it's got to be correct. That the, the, the antonym of thanks is condemnation, disapproval, and criticism. The opposite of thanks, we would think, well, what's the opposite of thanks? Well, it's unthankful, right? What's the opposite of grateful? Ungrateful. But it goes a little bit deeper than that. And I think this is where the Lord's wanting us to go this morning. Have you ever known people that if they were given a gift, it wasn't the right size? If they were given a raise, it wasn't enough. If they were given a promotion, it wasn't the promotion that they wanted. If they were given an answer to prayer, it wasn't the answer to prayer that they wanted. And there always there's, there's disapproval, there's criticism. God, you didn't come through for me like I thought you would. It's kind of like that guy in the video. Well, where's the water? It's right here. Well, I, want the, I, want some, I, want, I want you to make it come out of a spigot out of the wall. Well, well where, 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 how's God going to do all these great and mighty things in our life if we can't see the little things when that person comes and gives us a bottle of water? We've got to learn to be thankful for the water. How many of you rose this morning, you looked out the window and you said, man, I am so thankful that I've got heat in my house. How many of you thought about the roof over your head? How many of you thought about when you got in your car, for most of us, it started? And we're thankful. We've got to learn in the little things to be thankful. I want you to think of some little thing. I'm talking about a little thing that you're thankful for this morning. And I want you to tell your neighbor some little thing. Maybe you couldn't find your keys this morning and you're scurrying about the house and God says they're right there and you go find the keys and it's the little things and we forget to thank him for that. What's some little things? Talk, talk to your neighbor. Talk amongst yourselves this morning. We've got some time here. What's some little thing? What's a little thing? How many of you like coffee? How many had coffee this morning? How many thank God for your coffee? Ah, uh, really? Yeah, how many of you lying about thanking God for your coffee? No, really, thinking about it. You got up this morning and you, you just go through your motions and you're getting ready for church and you're... Man, you're, you're trying to get here on time. You look outside and it's sleeting and snowing. That's called slowing. And you, should I go? Shouldn't I go? And, but you decide to come and make it to the house of the Lord. And God gets you here because you got good tires on your, on your car. you got a heater in your car. I mean, the little things that God does for us that sometimes we just forget to thank Him for. The Word of God says this. And if, if the Word of God says this in 1 Thessalonians 5, 18, look what it says. In everything give thanks, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. In everything give thanks. How do we get to that place of thankfulness? It's God's will for us to be thankful. It's His will. You know, it's kind of like he said, he, he, told, the, he told the disciples, he, said, you know, he, he commanded them to love his, his brothers. He said, you got to love one another. This is a new commandment. I give you love one another. He had to command them to love. And here Paul saying, you've got to thank God. 
Be thankful always in everything. How, how do we, when we've got a dire situation in our life, how does this verse work that says in Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, what? With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then the peace of God, which surpasses or transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. How do you walk through these times of despair, walk through these times of, of pain, of disappointment, and yet the the Bible says, don't be anxious about that thing. Don't be, uh, don't be worried about it. Don't be fearful about it. But when you start praying, give thanks to God. And when you start giving him thanks, listen, he, your mind changes. Your attitude will change. Why do you think God put this in the word for us? He doesn't want us to walk around like, we just lost our last friend, you know. Just, oh, whoa, it's me. And people say, well, hey, how's Jesus in your life? Oh, man, he's awesome. And you, you have no smile, you have no joy. All you can think of is everything that's gone wrong in your life. And, and people ask you, oh, I, I thought the Bible said we're supposed to give him thanks in everything. I, I thought he said when we were to pray, we're supposed to pray with thanksgiving. Because then he brings that peace of God into our hearts. So this morning, I want to give us, we're going to look at one passage of scripture in, in Colossians 3. And, and listen, the Bible is full of scriptures that talk about thanksgiving full of scriptures that tell us how to overcome uh, depression or ungratefulness or disappointment or discouragement or criticism. Tons of scriptures. And it all and it really begins with what you get in your heart, what you get into your mind, and what you speak with your mouth. It's really not, there's probably not going to be any new revelation here except for those of you that have been walking in the dark and not hearing the voice of God this morning. And this is for you. Okay, and it's a reminder for the rest of us. Colossians 3, one, we're going to look at 1 through 4 to begin with, all right? You have your, read, your Bible's ready? We're in the New King James this morning. He says, if then you were raised with Christ, if then you were raised with Christ, seek those things which are above where Christ is, sitting at the right hand of God. Set your mind on things above. Say, say that with me. Set your mind on things above. See, if we're raised with Christ, we're seated with Christ, that shouldn't be an issue. But he says, Paul says, hey, 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 you've been raised with Christ. Now set your mind on things above, not on things on the earth. Hmm. For you died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is our life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. The first thing I want you to see this morning is to confess or be thankful for your position in Christ. Have you ever heard uh, uh, something said about somebody like, man, cooking is her life. Football is his life. Sports is their life. Have you ever heard that expression? Uh, and, and the scripture says that Christ should be our life. You know, if somebody makes that statement about you, you probably need to correct them. Well, you know what? I like cooking. I like sports. I like football. But that's not my life. I can live without it. Well, you can't live without cooking. But, you know, you can live without football. Some guys are going, oh, I'm not so sure, Pastor. Can't we live without some things that we think are so important for us? But we can't live without Christ. We can't live without the breath of God blowing and coursing through our, our lungs, can we? You can't live without the blood of Christ coursing through your veins, can you? So he says, we are hidden with Christ in God. So we ought to be thankful for our position in Christ because we have been raised with Christ. Look at Romans 8 9. 
But you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Say, I'm in the spirit. If indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Now, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. Now, that's pretty simple theology right there. If you don't know Jesus, you don't have the spirit of God, you're not his. But if you know Jesus, you have the spirit of God, you are his. It's pretty simple theology. All right. And if Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, because, because he came and did away with sin. We're no longer slaves to sin, right? Y'all with me this morning? Are you still real cold? Y'all should be warmed up by now. Okay? If Christ is in you, the body is dead because of sin, but the spirit is life because of righteousness. What is righteousness? Is your righteousness good? No. Your righteousness is only good when you're covered by the righteousness of Christ. Righteousness really truly means we're in right standing with God. We are covered with his righteousness. Our righteousness, the Bible says, is as filthy rags, but we are clothed in his righteousness. Okay? He's the one that makes us right before God. He's the one that's going to stand before the Father one day, and the Father say, well, can he come in? And he says, yes, because I put my clothes on him. I put my righteousness on him. He is a child. He is my son. He is, and so he is one that's going to give us access to the Father, to heaven, because of what he has done for us, not because of anything you've earned. You can't earn it. So he says, but if the spirit of him who raised Christ from the dead dwells in you, but he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. Here's the thing. The same spirit. Now, if we could ever get revelation of this, guys, there would be no stopping to us. If we could truly get the revelation that the spirit, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Are y'all, do y'all even care? Come on. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead after three days is the same spirit that resides in you and me. Can we ever get a revelation of that? Because if we could get a revelation of that, we would be always being thankful. We would always be grateful because we would know there is no situation. There is no circumstance that our God can't get us through. Not one. Death, listen, he says, death is, is, is destroyed. Where, oh, death is your victory. Where, oh, death is your sting. He sees he's even conquered death for us. He's conquered these, these bodies that wear out. The Bible says they wear out. But guess what? He says, that's okay because the day one day is coming. I'm going to give you a new body. This body can't inherit heaven. I'm going to give you a new body. The same way he raised Jesus from the dead. Listen, that same spirit lives in us. And so listen, if you think I'm going to walk through this life and be thankful, I want to be a conqueror, I want to be victorious, and you're going to do it without the power of the Holy Spirit, you're mistaken. You're mistaken. We need him every moment of every day. And part of that is thanking God. When's the last time you thanked the Holy Spirit? Thank you for inhabiting my body. Thank you for filling me up. Thank you for getting me through this. And we are, we are powerful because God is powerful in us and through us. Look at verse 6 or 5. Therefore, put to death your members. Probably a lot of pastors take that out of context. <laughs> Therefore, put to death your members, and then they move on. <laughs> Therefore, put to death your members. He's talking about your own body, which are of the earth. On the earth, the things that he's talking about your flesh. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Remember, as Ron teach, 
taught us we're all sons. So the daughters can't say, well, it's not me. But we're all sons of God if we know Jesus Christ. In which you yourselves once walked. Say once walked. When you lived in them. Isn't that good? Paul's saying, now, I want everybody to hear this. But listen, this is for everybody. But some of you, 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 that's who you used to be. That's not who you are anymore. So the second point I want you to see this morning is to be thankful that you are changed. Thankful that you're changed, that you, you're not, you, listen, you haven't arrived yet. None of us have arrived, right? You know, but we can thank God for that we're not who we used to be, right? We, we thank Him for the change, that great exchange that took place when you gave your life to Jesus, that great exchange when He went to the cross and paid for our sins. That's the great exchange that we received. He says they are to put to death these things of the flesh. Put to death. The King James says it this way, mortify your members. Mortify. So I looked up mortify. I love to do word searches. He says the mortify means to deprive of power and to destroy the strength of. Because, you know, he, he's, he's labeling some really ugly sins there. Sexual sins. He's talking about idolatry, all these things. He said these are ugly, ugly, ugly sins. He said you've got to mortify them. You've got to give it. You've got to put them aside. You've got to put them to death. And when he says to mortify, he says you need to destroy giving them the strength to do anything in your life. Now, just a couple of weeks ago, I told you this. This is something that my wife has shared with you, and I wanted to share it with you again today. The thing you focus on is the thing you empower. So if you're, it's even as a Christian, if you're focusing on the things of the earth, if you're focusing on your flesh or your fleshly desires, you're feeding those things. And once you start feeding those things, they come alive. So the opposite of that is quit feeding those earthly sensual desires in yourself and start putting those things to death. Quit giving them strength. Quit giving them their due. Quit giving them the honor in your life. Say no more to those things. And you can't do that, listen, in your own strength. Again, you have to live by the power of the Holy Spirit to destroy the works of the enemy. That's what Jesus came to do anyway. So stop feeding those things. Stop focusing on those things that you, that you know are not of God. And start being thankful for what you do have. Remember, I, I shared this a weeks ago. I heard on Caleb. Quit saying, I've got to, and start saying, I get to. Man, if you just change that one word. Because when we're unthankful, when we're ungrateful, that's when we, I got to. I got to. I got to go to work. <laughs> that other guy saying, you gotta, you've got a job? Yeah, I got to go to work. Man, you, you should say, I get to go to work. I don't have a job. You, you, you got you to go put gas in your car? I don't have a car. You have money to put gas in your car? Well, you get to put gas in your car? See how you can switch things? If you start feeding the wrong thing, you can start thinking negatively. You can start speaking the wrong things. And God says, but you're changed. You're not that person anymore. Amen? Amen. Thank God that you're not who you used to be. Did you know that we, that we can be thankful for what we don't have? Some of you need to be thankful for some of the friends you don't have anymore. Some of you need to be thankful for the habits you don't have anymore. So there's a time not to be thankful for some, some other things, right? Verse 8. But now you yourselves are to put off all these. So he started with these big sins. And now he's going to the smaller sins. He, he kind of puts them in categories. Anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. 
Do not lie to one another. Isn't that funny that he has to tell us not to lie? Since you have put off the old man with his deeds and have put on the new man who is renewed. Say put off and put on. You put on the new man who is renewed. Say I put on the new man. Listen, Listen to this. The new man who is renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. Who are we supposed to look like? That's right. We have been created in his image. In the image of God, we've been created. And Jesus, we know through Scripture, is the created, the creative part of the Trinity. So he says, I want you to, you know, I, I've heard this said before that God created Jesus and then he created mankind because he wanted more kids. You know, that just one son, he wanted some more kids. He wanted more sons. So he created mankind. But he's, now that we've come to know Jesus, it says, put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge according to the image, that's Jesus, of who, crea- uh, who created us, where there is neither Greek nor Jew, circumcised nor uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave nor free, but Christ is all in all. In other words, he's saying, he's not trying to separate and say that you can't be this ethnicity or that, we're all the same. No, he's talking about a spiritual ethnicity. He says we're all the same in the eyes of Christ. You're no more, you, you have the ability to be, as, 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 you have the same, uh, God is not, uh, he doesn't look at you differently than he looks at you. He doesn't look at you and judge you differently than he judges you. He looks at all of us the same. He's a God of justice. He's a God of love. He's a God of mercy. So the third thing I want you to see is confess or be thankful for your newness in Christ. I know that sounds a lot like that you're changed, but he says here that to put on the new man who is renewed. Now, a lot of people go, well, God, you put me, you put the new man on me. But does that, is that what it says here? Can we read that again? But now you yourselves, say you yourselves. Does God give us responsibility for our walk? Of course he does. A lot of people, you know, well, the devil made me do it. No, the devil didn't make you do it. You did it. Fess up. You know, I've heard people, oh, I've had this addiction, Pastor, and I just keep asking God, please take it from me. Please take it from me. And God says, please give it to me. Please give it to me. See, we have, to, we have to partner with what God's calling us to do in his word. When he says for us to put on something or to take off something, he's saying that's for you to do. He's not going to do it for you. I, you know, we, we've talked about this. Even, I think even Jeff mentioned it the other day. You know, if you've got the gift of giving, I heard this from Robert Morris. If you've got the gift of giving... God's not going to take your wallet out of your pocket or out of your purse and write a check on your behalf and bring it and put it in the offering. Well, you know, if I have the gift of giving, it's just going to happen. No. If you've got the gift of giving, God's going to say, okay, write a check or put that money in. God's going to have to do it, but you're going to, I mean, he's going to do it, but he's going to cause you to actually participate with what he's called you to do. If he, if he says to lay your hands on the sick... And he, you just go, you know what, I don't know if I want to lay my hands on that person. And God says, but I said to lay your hands on the sick. Then he's given us commandment to lay our hands on the sick. If he's given us commandment to speak, we need to speak. What's that old saying? Preach the gospel and if necessary, use words. Well, it's necessary. Quit using that as a get out of witnessing card. I've just been playing Monopoly with my six-year-old, and I had, to have a, I had two get-out-of-jail cards free. But I stayed in jail. You know why? Because I didn't want to go around the board because they had all those hotels and motels and stuff, and I was going to have to pay some big fines. I just stay in jail. 
We are new in Christ. There are some things we are told to do. Hebrews 12, 1, same thing. Therefore, we also, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which so easily ensnares us and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. In other words, don't put clean clothes over your stinky clothes. Take off the filthy clothes first. You know, how, you know what you do? You know how you get your filthy clothes off? You repent. You just repent. You come before the Father and you, Lord, I have, I have dropped the ball. I've, I've started looking at this. I've started doing this. I quit doing that. What do I need to do? And you will say, repent. Change the way you think about that. Walk in forgiveness and let him restore you. So you can walk again in the power of the Holy Spirit. See, you can't walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and the power of the devil at the same time. It just doesn't work. You can't. Verse 12. Therefore, as the elect of God. Say, I'm, the, I'm elected. <laughs> A lot of people, that just scares them, that word, I'm elected. You're the called of God, aren't you? Say, I'm the called of God. I'm elected. I didn't even campaign. I won. <laughs> Holy and beloved. Here again, he says, something for us to do. Put on. Say, put on. Put on. Okay, so we're taking all this other stuff off. And he says, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another, and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. That's a scripture that many, many Christians have huge problem with. That's a scripture, if not participated with, stops the church from growing. That's a scripture that stops people from maturing. That's a scripture that keeps people from their destiny. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Forgiveness. Forgiveness. I wonder how many people in this room have ought against their brother or their sister. I wonder how many people in this room are holding a grudge against somebody. I wonder how many people in this room are not talking to somebody because they did something and offended them or hurt their feelings. And we think we have a right to hold on to those things. Listen, we could preach this message every Sunday because every Sunday people walk in here and they're bound by unforgiveness. They're bound. They're carrying this heavy load. They're, they're, they're burdened down with it because they think if as long as I don't forgive them, I've, I've got something against them and it's going to hurt them and we're going to pay them back or we're going we're to have our revenge. And it just doesn't work that way, church. Bearing with one another. Forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. I'm so glad that Jesus Christ has forgiven me of all my sins. Aren't you? So what right do I have to hold somebody's sin against them? What right do you have to hold somebody's sin against them? Do you have a right? 
See, if, if, if you give up your rights when you come to know Jesus Christ, the walk will be a lot easier for you. Just give up your rights. Like, I don't own anything. This house belongs to the Lord. My car belongs to the Lord. My money belongs to the Lord. My kids belong to the Lord. You just give everything to God. If you start giving him all that, my, 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 my resentment, I give that to God. I am going to forgive. I'm going to walk in wholeness. I'm going to walk in health. I'm going to walk in prosperity. All these things are, are so tied to this thing called forgiveness. Because our holy destiny, eternal destiny is tied to forgiveness. Isn't it? Jesus died so that we would not have to pay for our sins. He paid for them. For us, he took his place, our place on the cross. So he says there's some things we're to put off. There are some things that we're to put on. There's some things that we need to recognize and be thankful for, that we are changed, that we are new in Christ. And we have come to the place, church, where we've got to lay aside some things that are weighting us down. Some people in this room, you've made judgments against other people. Against your brothers and sisters in Christ, you've made judgments. Let me see, what was the antonym for Thanksgiving? <coughs> Condemnation, disapproval, and criticism. you got the comparison thing going. That's so that so destroys people in their walk. When you start comparing your walk to somebody else. Some of that happens even in between spouses. Well, they're not at the same level I am in their spiritual maturity. I, I sure wish they would get up to where my level is. <laughs> I want to tell you, whatever level you're at, somebody else is above your level. Okay, so quit, quit putting other people down because they're not walking the walk like you think you're walking the walk. Because as you think you're walking the walk, you probably aren't because there's a lot of pride involved there. Verse 12. Oh, that's where we started. I'm sorry. I've just not finished there. Verse 13. Bearing with one another, forgiving one another, if anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. But above all these things, put on what? But above all these things, put on which is the bond of perfection. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, which you also were called in one body, and then do what? And be thankful. Is it up there? Oh, kind of up there. You put on all these, you put on all these clothes, and then you put on the, 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 the one that pulls it all together, and it's called love. So I wanted the fourth thing I want you to see this morning is to be thankful for your new wardrobe. Okay? We talk a lot about putting the armor of God on. Don't we? What is the armor of God? It's the helmet of salvation, breastplate of righteousness, the belt of truth, shoes of peace. We take up the shield of faith and the sword of the spirit, and we pray. Okay? Pray, prayer is a big part of the armor. So we put on the armor of God. Now, he's not talking about that same armor. He, he's talking about just what we, he just said to put on. What we've taken off, we've taken off all the filthy, all the ugly. We've crucified it. We've put to death. And now we're putting on what God has called uh, the... I would call a brand new wardrobe, okay? He's, well, he's putting on a, a wardrobe. So it's like letting God pick out your clothes out of your closet and putting them on you. But they're spiritual clothes. So he says, I think this will look good on you, Randy. And so he gives you some mercy. I think this will look good on you. I think it'll be, oh, I think you should put on this 
uh, kindness, humility. Put on these, these garments, and then after you're going to put it all on, listen, have you ever gotten out ready to go somewhere, and you just had to have that one little thing that put it all, pulled it all together? Right? You had to have the right belt or the right shoes. And, you know, some guys, man, they can get dressed up, and they look like a million bucks, and then they'll put on their shoes they haven't polished in 10 years. And you're like, your, your wife will look at you like, baby, you look really good except for that. <laughs> Go put on, go polish your shoes or something. And that's, that's kind of the way God is. He's, he said, I want you to put on tender mercies and kindness and humility and all these things. But he said, if you don't put on love, it's not going to bring that bond of perfection that God wants. That how he wants you to look. You know, that's the fruit of the Spirit he's talking about here. Putting on the fruit of the Spirit. When your outfit is complete, I love this, peace begins to reign in your heart. When your outfit is ready, when you put on everything you're supposed to put on, then you start walking in peace. When you put everything on that God has called you to put on and you've wrapped yourself in his love, then you're thankful. You're thankful. Have you ever noticed that the most loving people are also the most thankful people? You know what I'm talking about? They just walk in love. They, they walk in the joy of the Lord. They have this peace about them. But in the process, you'll see that they're thankful. They don't miss things. You know, sometimes we miss things when somebody gives us something. And we say, they give us a gift. And depending on what the gift is, that's, the, depends on, that's what our response is made up of. They give you something that you, you know, a pair of socks for Christmas. Oh, thank you. Hey, I got you a new car. Thank you. Woo. Wow. It depends on what they give you. And that's your response is, is to that, you know. And God says, I'm, I've given you something greater than a new car. I'm giving you life. I'm giving you strength. I'm giving you peace. I'm giving you my spirit. I'm giving you the ability, the power to walk through this life with peace that passes understanding. Are you thankful? Are your, pray, are your prayers full of thanksgiving? Start praying and thanking God for the answer before the answer comes. And finally, verse 16. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching, and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatever you do in word or deed, do it all in the name of Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The last thing is to confess or be thankful for God's work. Be thankful for God's word. 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 Now, some of you are thankful. The word of God is your life. It's our lifeline. It's our instructions for living this life. It's the, it's the book that teaches us how to get out of here and get out of here successfully. But it's also the book that teaches us how to live victoriously. Are you thankful for the word? 
Are you thankful when you wake up in the morning that you have the word of God there in some form or fashion, through a devotional, through some book, or just the word itself, or on your phones that you get up? And if, if, are you truly thankful that when you get up that you can say, how am I going to set my day in motion today? Is the word of God going to direct my path today? Is the spirit of God going to lead me? See, when you have the spirit of God and you connect it with the word of God, it empowers the word for you to live the word. See, some of you just think the word is just a lot of words on a page, but you've not let the Holy Spirit empower you to live the Word of God. When the Word of God is alive in you, there is power. The Word of God edifies you. It will build you up. The Word of God will teach you. The Word of God will instruct you. The Word of God will give you Creative ideas, the Word of God will open your eyes to the things of the Spirit. But listen, if you don't open the Word of God, you'll never get any of that. If you don't open the Word and truly hunger and thirst after it, you won't get any of that. I know this message this morning is like basic Christianity 101. But the whole idea of what God's put in my heart is that are we ever going to get back to being that thankful people that we're supposed to be? Because I think, especially as Americans, we're some of the most take-it-for-granted people in the world. Entitled, if you want to use the word. Yeah, I heard somebody say, Lord, forgive us. Lord, forgive us. I came in this morning expecting the building to be warm, and it was warm. I came in the building this morning expecting the baptistry, baptistry to be warm, and it's not warm. It's broke. It's cold. I said, well, we won't be doing baptisms today. We didn't have any scheduled anyway. Somebody said, well, man, I wonder what happened to the heater. I said, well, we use it a lot. <laughs> Praise God, we use it a lot. Just bow your heads. Can you have the ministry team come?